Hello and welcome to Super Rugby Round 9 Review. We all, oh, yeah, I've got a cold mouth meat and so much ice cream. I'm brought to you by Driving Mall. I'm Paul, the guy behind Driving Mall. But it's okay because my mouth can warm up while I hand over the duties um, to Stephen and Shane, who are going to take you through all the games. I'm going to be in the live chat. So if you're, if you're in the live chat, um, join me for a um, bit of a yarn. Very, very good. Welcome back, everyone, to Round 9 Review of the action from the weekend. Just gone. Welcome back. Shane, we missed you last week. I had to talk to Paul uh, for the whole show, which is, you know, a bit strange and backwards. But uh, we're back now, back to normal normalcy. And, of course, we've got the six matches to go through for round nine. So let's get straight into it. The more time we have, the more I can talk about what happened. Highlanders, they were on the road up against Crusaders in the opening match of the round. And this one promised to be quite an exciting matchup. And it got off to a flying start with a 150-cap veteran Ben Smith scoring a typical slice through defence to get the Highlanders off to a good little start um, that they much, much needed if they were going to really challenge this Crusader side. Over that, though, it was a fairly quiet first half overall. The Crusaders took a good 25 minutes to really get into the game and open their account against the Highlanders side that created, well, they controlled most of that half. But Braden Eno dotted down to give the Crusaders something to play with um, from that first half to half of action. And the two sides went to the break. 10 points to 7. The Highlanders with a slender lead at the break. Into the second half, it was all bad news, though, for the Highlanders. The Crusaders said about that usual second-half domination. Harvili went straight in after halftime. Then the Highlanders conceded a penalty try. Seven re-scorched in for another one minutes later. And then Mitchell Drummond put things past any doubt. Josh Varney pulled one back, showing off a bit of ability that he has for the Highlanders. And then... Just after that, shows the amazement of this Crusaders side when they bring on a guy off the bench like Will Jordan, who scores to give the lead an even bigger advantage. An 80th minute yellow card was a bit of a laugh for uh, Ben Fennell, but otherwise from that, it was all the Crusaders in the second spell. And they blitzed what was a good start for the Hollanders and put them away 43 points to 17. A promising start for Ben Smith and his Highlanders, Shane, but didn't go the way they would have wanted. No, the Crusaders are like Triple H. They're the game, and they're that damn good. Um, 36 points in the second half, just like they did last week to the Brumbies. Um, so a sluggish, a bit of sluggish start turned into a, a quite an easy victory in the end. Um, they bring out all the stops, their mauls, their scrummaging with that great penalty try of theirs, and... and um, their running game, they'll put in a kick. Some, Someone's going to take it and, and you know, there's going to be flick passes and composures. They're the whole complete package in Super Rugby. And, um, you know, the Highlanders had no answers in the second half. Um, and I've got to say, congratulations to Ben Smith, 150 Super Rugby caps. You're a champion. Yep, champion man for a uh, hopefully champion team in the future. But, of course, it is his last season, isn't it, with the Highlanders. So, last chance saloon for him as um, the Crusaders. He carried on their merry way, didn't they? They were a bit um, a bit dominating. But a criticism went about the referee on this one, which I don't know if you would agree with Shane, but um, the Crusaders maybe getting a bit lucky throughout this match. Many people were talking about. Uh, I've always said they've got a bit lucky with the referees. <laughs> but uh, let's not go there. <laughs> Ah, uh, look, um, yeah, maybe they got a few calls that, that went their way, but, um, you know, 50-50 calls are very, you know, 
you got to place your trust in in the referee. And at the end of the day, if he if he makes a call, he's the one in charge with the whistle, and he'll have to justify his decisions elsewhere. It's much trouble though for the Highlanders. Though you look at the table, they are really struggling at the bottom. Fourteen points there only on the Chiefs, two above them, and even the woeful Blues. No bites from Paul there. Uh, six points ahead of them as well. So they need to bounce back. And they've got the Blues next week as well down at Forsyth Bar, which is going to be a massive game for the Highlanders in round 10. Moving on, though, second game of the weekend. The Rebels were up against the Stormers, and this was the one that really killed everyone's picks, bets, and whatever else he had on over the weekend um, with the away side closing up their tour with uh, their best performance easily. And they started off much like the Highlanders game, uh, an amazing start. Dylan Lades scoring a great try after a pathetic little kick from a mistake by the Rebels. He just chipped it away out of his 22. Dylan Lades picked it up, broke through a, a hole bigger than the whole bus station and slid straight through to score um, the opening points of the game. And that was a, a great way for the Stormers to start confidence definitely on their side. And that was really the only fireworks on the first half as the sides chipped in with a couple of penalties to go with a lot of wasted chances, a lot of frustration and a lot of lack of composure. Um, from especially the Rebels in this matchup. Halftime was 10 points to three. The Stormers had a slender seven-point lead. Into the second half, the Rebels were gifted the first try of the second half as Reese Hodge pounced on a, a huge crossfield pass that uh, could have been read from next week to intercept and score to bring it level at uh, early on in the second half. But that was the last time we saw the Rebels anywhere near this matchup. Replacement Augustus galloped down the touchline from a Villainsa break. The LND showed his class of another brilliant piece of play from Dylan Lades, offloading and then carrying about four defenders on his way to score the uh, try. Then Ruhan now got involved, the former sevens man, got an early birthday present from Quay Cooper, who didn't learn how to catch, apparently, and just let the ball bounce back into the path of Nell. And then we got a little bit back for the Rebels. The game was already gone, but a frustrated and uh, angry Will Guinea did his little typical snipe of the back of a line-out play, like we see from him last week, to give them a little bit of hope um, but uh, there wasn't any hope to go in it at all. Camel Magne pulled one back late in the game for the Rebels after a quick tap, but the Stormers, they were always in control of this one, and Ruan Nell scored another try, another intercept try from another predictable pass by the Rebels, and his second um, early birthday present as well, so he'll be much chuffed with that. The Stormers run away with it quite easily, 41-24, to a shock result in our second game of the weekend, Shane. Yeah, but you got to... You know, give credit to the Stormers. They were hungry. They were hungrier than when I see a McDonald's sign, mate. Um, they they put the points on um, in that second half. That that was atrocious from the Melbourne Rebels. That was a really winnable game, and they had the chance to really put their mark, if not on the entire conference. Um, I got my swag, got my cooler bag, and got into my caravan and watched this one. And I was really just really intrigued at what went wrong for the Rebels, but what went so right for the Stormers. They rested a few of their players. I think, you know, we mentioned that before we went on air tonight. It was, you know, you got to take advantage of what you have in front of you. The Stormers did. The Rebels had... You know, most of their players, Quade Cooper doesn't really have to be rested because he's he hasn't been on Wallabies duty for two years. Um, you know, eventually they're going to have to rest Genya at some stage. He just looked 
very frustrated when he scored the try, and he was straight straight subbed after that. Um, so things that the Rebels have to work on, this, this lack of consistency over the last few years um, when they've got a good head start and they don't go on with it. And well done to the Stormers. It's been a long four weeks away from home. They take a win to go with that, plus the bonus point they got in Wellington in their first week of their tour. So... Some some exciting times, hopefully, for them when they go back to Cape Town. It was an amazing game, wasn't it? it, it yeah. A little few stats that I pointed out from that game. The Stormers had just over 30% of the ball, uh, yet they piled on 41 points. They made 140 tackles, roughly, to the Rebels' 40. Um, amazing um, difference in stats there. A team playing so defensively to dominate a game on the scoreboard so convincingly goes to show, like you're saying, they, they took chances, they played well enough, and w- without those big guys as well. I think they did one thing very well, and and that was something I'm surprised we haven't seen a lot earlier in the season, was they targeted two men. Guess who? Guinea Cooper. That whole Rebels team revolves around that. If those guys can't operate, they were dropping balls, they were under pressure immensely all night long, and they got targeted, they didn't show the composure that you'd expect, and I think that is the big area uh, for what I took from that game, where the Stormers um, dominated, I guess. And, and from there, the rest of it flowed on through uh, the, the pack, got a bit of advantage, and it was just all Stormers. It was great to see. Big fan of Stormers, big fan of what they're playing, and uh, they played very, very well to take that win in Australia, which is massive uh, for this season as well. Moving on from that, though, we went uh, to, I think, what was the game of the round. I mean, we've had a, a few goodies already, but this one, the Chiefs versus the Blues. I never thought I'd say it's about a Blues game but what a match this was. This first half, not quite uh, the excitement machine. The Blues uh, dominated the start of it, but it was against run of play that we saw Brad Weber uh, run in to get the tries rolling on their way. The Blues really failed to make any chances pay, and the Chiefs got a bit expansive from that, and Boshia turned it into points in the first half, running thin for the Blues to get themselves back into the game right before half time. Uh, the forwards offloading beautifully. Uh, drew defenders and space out wide for Milani Nanai to finish just before the break. And the Blues needed that because they were tilting on the side of just losing their way in that game. And into halftime, they went 14 points to 10. Uh, the Chiefs with a slender lead over the Blues. But the second half, this is where the game exploded. And, and it started off with probably what we've just learned tonight. Uh, the bad news with the Damian McKenzie injury, where we're going to be losing him for a number of months. I'm sure that we talked about a lot. Um, over the next few months before Rugby World Cup time. We won't be seeing him anymore, but it all changed. Moe Keola come on for Damian McKenzie, and an instant impression was made. Antoine Brown breaking the line and in for the try to extend the Chiefs' lead. Uh, he, he made a great impact, Moe Keola, off the bench. A uh, smashing try that was. The game opened up after that, though. It was all out of tack. It, it, just, it just lifted 10 gears, and it was just after the hour mark. The Blues had a five-metre scrum which they slipped short to Ma'anonu, who was rolling back the clock again with an absolute scorching run, just bulldozing through runner in his way. And it was game on yet again. 21-15, oh, Terry Black missing a, a crucial conversion that it could have been as well. The game, though, it was completely opened up and it was broken down. And the next try, Ali Malo, half break, scuffs and offload. This is one that we had to really talk about a lot because this was phenomenal. Ali Malo offloads to Wainui, who... Chips the ball off the ground, into his hands, off the floor, breaks the tackle, offloads it to Boucher, who drags three desperate defenders on his way to score. Try the season. Let's just stop now. That is it. We're done. That was the best try I've seen in a long, long time. 
The Blues struck back, though, and Fiani a strong carry, and he threw it away to Ioane. No room, defenders everywhere, yet he manages to still put it down in the corner with that much room to spare. Nothing at all, and the Blues all of a sudden come back into the match again. The Chiefs, though, turned it back around, and it was Ferrati who got the finish from a strong build-up by the Chiefs, and this was to and fro, both sides uh, getting a little bit. The Blues hit back, though, and they pretty much did a carbon copy of what the Chiefs had done, a patient build-up, 17 phases, which is un-Blues-like for Ma'anonu to once again bulldoze his way over. 33-29 the score, two minutes to go, but there was no further twist. The Chiefs hung on desperately, 33-29 the final score. The Chiefs take a breath. That was my game of the weekend. I loved it. I'm, I am really proud of the Blues over the last five weeks. They've started to step up. And I'm really proud of the Chiefs too. And um, I'm not a New Zealander. So um, they, those two sides have stepped up over the last five weeks. Um, and they've really played some good, good rugby. Now, let me just say this. Isn't it great to see Ma Nonu turn back the clock? I wish Conrad Smith was there as well. You have the, the power combination of World Cups past. Um, but, you know, if, that was, I believe, the game of the round because you have two sides desperate to further themselves. The Chiefs, obviously, with that horror start. The Blues didn't start off that well. Both have won a few in a row before that night. And, and the Chiefs came away, luckily, with the, with the goods. And, um, you know, um, certainly I wish DMAC a speedy recovery. And, uh, yeah, Manonu put him in for the World Cup. Got to be somewhere. <laughs> oh, no, that's not good. Oh, there's bad news about McKenzie. But um, great for the Chiefs, though. Game, game of the round, Absolutely. game of the season almost. It was an absolute scorching matchup. That second half uh, was, was breathtaking. A uh, great match, a good finish, and um, I picked the Chiefs to win by uh, three, I think. So I got it almost spot on, so I'm more than happy with how that one went for my picks. But we are halfway point of the round. We'll take this opportunity to have halftime team talk with your man, Paul. Yes, the halftime team talk. And this week, I'm going to keep it pretty simple, folks. And um, what I'd really like you to do, if you could, is to ask your friend, or t- sorry, tell one of your friends about the show, about the channel, uh, and um, that's it, really. And then if you can actually email me, pebames at gmail.com, and tell me who you've told and who they support. That'd be great. So um, tell a friend about the show, and then email me, pebames at gmail.com, um, with, who, what, with their name and who they support. Back to your regular show. Well, that was an interesting ad break. Not sure about that one. Uh, we'll move on. Ads are never good. <laughs> Fourth match of the round, we've got the Brumbies versus the Lions, and I, I summed up the start of this match of three words, uh, penalties, penalties. Uh, the Lions just absolutely gifted their way up the field um, before they actually got um, a yellow card against the Brumbies um, for just completely getting pinged all the time. Uh, scrum penalties, ruck penalties, offside penalties, you name it, the Brumbies picked it up the first half. Deontay ends up the man over, of course. We've got the man in the bin, and they score the first points. And it was all going the way of the Lions pretty easily, nice and early. But the Brumbies struck back, and it was Tom Banks' man to spark it down the left side. McCaffrey with the finish, and we finally 
get to see something back for the Brumbies. Speaking of finally get to see, we got to see the talent of Tony Pulu in Brumbies colours. Extreme speed, blitzing defenders down the left wing, and the Brumbies have scored two. We have the game back on our hands, and the referee is not so much of an influence. The sucker punch finish to the half for the Brumbies back on their own line. Big clearing kick, chased down well, and it goes to that old adage, doesn't it? Your kick is only as good as its chases. Kuranjani benefiting down the other end of the corner after a fantastic kick chase by the Brumbies. Right on halftime, they took a tidy little lead, 19-8 over the Lions, and surprising the way that half started, too, with the Lions dominating it. The Lions took their time to get going in the second half, but some amazing hands and the step of Yankees put life back into the game. The Brumbies pushed the lead back, back out over seven points with another Tom Banks try, who had a very, very impressive game, I thought. And then Tom Wright makes up for his early yellow card, showing the ability that we haven't seen from him. Good acceleration straight through the defensive line. For the dice for the Lions, and with a tight finish in the corner from Mahuza, it brought the Lions back within 11 points, and the commentators were getting excited, but the Brumbies, they dominated the game, and they dominated that scoreline to the end. It took them... All game long, but they actually won a scrum as well, which they'll be taking nicely on their way. 31-20, the Brumbies taking the win. Scoreline make, makes it look probably a little bit easy, but the Brumbies had to work for that one. They did, and um, well done. It's been a, um, a inconsistent run for the Brumbies, so they'll be happy with the four points there. Very useful four points, and it keeps them in touch to a point with the the Australian Conference. Now, when you're looking for something, and, and they were off to the worst possible start with that red, yellow card, uh, but they, they they made up for it in the, the Australian way that we, we do things. Um, however it is that we do things in rugby, but we do. And they just played the old Australian way, counter-attack, punch through the line phase play, um, it, it helped get three tries on the board. Wonderful kick chase, um, I've got to say, and um, that led to the Kurundarani try. The Lions, they, they never give up. They never give in. They were certainly, I thought, the better side in the second half. They really just er errors probably didn't help them as well. Um, it did die down and, and, and really dull out in the second half, I thought. But, you know, the Brumbies had, had enough attacking weapons there to score the points they needed to and take something away from this game. So, you know, good on the Brumbies. And um, for convention, Joe Powell, 50 caps, Wallaby. Lionel Mapu, 100 caps for the, for the line. So well done to those two chaps as well. Not good news for the Lions, though, is it, really, when you look at how these season's going, sitting at the foot of the South African Conference. Who would have predicted that at the start of the year? Yes, on equal points with the Stormers, and yes, only one point behind the Haguaras, and, uh, what, three behind the Sharks. It's still pretty tight there, but, goodness me, it's a complete turnaround to what we're used to in that division, isn't it? And the Sharks, um, well, we'll talk about them in a second, but they're definitely licorice all sorts, and South Africa's a tough place to pick. And even a game like that, the Brumbies, they had to work for it. Who knows, another day that could have been a very, very different matchup. But um, the Brumbies, they need that too, and they stay in the hunt um, to keep alive in the Australian Conference up there with the Waratahs. 
going into the 10th round of the competition. A couple of games left to go. We've already spoke a little bit about the Sharks, so we'll carry on with them. They were next up versus the Jaguars. Goodness me. It was a weak stream, wasn't it, with our quick starts. We sent another one from the Jaguars. Two minutes in, Cabelli completes a well-supported start for the Jaguars, and they dotted down early. And the earliest part of the matchup was close enough. The Sharks worked their way into the match with some Kerwin Bosch magic, and Andrews, um, along with the penalty, gave the Sharks the only joy of the first half that they would get. And for the moment, a lead as well. The Sharks squandered a lot of chances, and then the unthinkable happened. Now, we talked a bit about the try before um, with the Chiefs scored. This one was right up there from the round as well, I think. Matera, a bust, 60 metres out, chips the fullback, and then burns them all for pace and goes in and scores. Ridiculous. What is going on with these back rowers just scorching everyone? We've seen it from the guys of Adi Savia. Now Pablo Matera is doing it. It is insane what these guys are doing. More pain is added on. There's a great inside ball to Buffelli, sets up Orlando, and then boom, before you know it, it's 21-10. The Jaguars are smashing the Sharks. Second half comeback, a possibility? Not in this land, not when the Jaguars are in this sort of mood. They carried on the second half. Matera carried a half a dozen Sharks over the line to grab his second of the matchup. A little short side chip and chase puts Moroni in as well, and the Jaguars are dominating this game. It is over before it's even begun. The Sharks are a little bit of life later on with their man, Kerwin Bosch, who seems to be the only guy Really stepping up for the Sharks, setting up, fussy out wide for the Hugwires. They shut it out nicely. In the last 15 minutes, two tries to Orlando. His stepping caused trouble all night long, and they smashed the big 5-0. 51-17, Hugwires over Sharks. What happened? What happened? Last week to this week, complete contrast for a Sharks side. This conference is throwing up some surprises every week. Uh, and first and foremost, I'm really pleased um, as a fan, as a, as a rugby fan and a super rugby fan, that the Hawaris are playing rugby like this. This is, this, you know, and with the talent they have in their side with, with as many Argentinian internationals, they should be. Um, it's quite exciting to watch. Um, running rugby... Um, it was just just personified, you know, and I've got to say, it's great to see the back rowers uh, putting in a putting in a kick. He blitzed them for speed, Matera did, and I think the platform starts with your forwards and finishes with your backs. And if you've got a good platform with your forwards going forward and doing the tough stuff, you create opportunities for your scrum half and your backs. And that's what this side does when they are when they are lethal, they are deadly lethal. And and I really, you know, enjoyed watching that because this side is coming of age and the sharks, great one minute and really terrible the next. So surprises in the South African conference, it's it's <laughs> I don't know what you can say. I mean, you flip a coin, don't you, when you pick these mm. matches? Who knows what's going to happen? Um, I mean, last week they put 40 points on the Lions and then they get smashed by 50 by a touring Haguaro seat, the, the side that can't tour. You know, that's throw it out the window. Throw it, throw it out the home team thing, throw it out the window. It's gone. The, the touring thing, throw it out the window. A any doubts you have, throw them out the window. When it comes to South Africa, uh, it, it's just, you know, take a guess. 
Get, get the missus to do it. Because, I mean, she's got as much idea as anyone at the moment with South African matches. Who knows how this is going? Um, yeah, the, the table tells a story, doesn't it? We've already talked about it. But, I mean, first to last has got a five-point split. You know, that's how close it is. It's insanely tight. And um, great for the Jaguars. We talked about the start of the season. They're going to struggle without um, Sanchez at 10. <laughs> no more. What a good joke that was. Yeah, <laughs> how many guys have they blooded there? Miotti, then they got the other guy who come on and missed the Silla right in front. Um, oh, crazy, just just a crazy team. So great for them um, to uh, really stick their mark now on the competition. Really in a chance. Last game of the round, we have the Bulls versus the Reds. Ah, Shane, your Reds. Your Reds, my friend. What is going on? Let's talk about this matchup. There's not going to be much joy going on for your boys, but let's talk about it. The Bulls got off to a good start. They're patient forward play. They got them the first strike of Boca going over after a great Johnny Cotter break on the left side. And the Bulls are rolling for the first of only two opening half tries. The second, much similar control on the forwards, rolling more, bulldozing over. And Van Staden grabbing his try for the Bulls. 13-3, easy, Bulls in control. And the Reds, really, not even in a chance of this match. they got an early penalty. Not much else went their way. Into the second half of the game, Pollard actually took some ball off the forwards and started to run the game a bit in the back line. And um, straight in as well, all by himself. He didn't even pass the winner outside him and he extended the lead after the break. Moving on, Karevi, he was the key. He was the only guy on this Reds team who was going to be key. And um, off the shoulder of a good back row break, he powers through for the Reds. And they've got a bit of a try on this side and a bit of points in the bank as well. They moved into double figures, which was good for them. The Reds tried to stay tight um, with the run of play, but um, Liebenberg continued for the Bulls and turned it back around, got on the score sheet as his fellow forwards played that power offloading game that the Bulls are known to do, and they just took over from there. The backs got to have some fun for the Bulls. Pollard, a pinpoint cross field kick to the flying Stickling, who absolutely nailed this ball about a million miles an hour, and the little winger just bowled a few over on his way into the corner as well. Karevi struck back for the Reds. He's the only guy we're going to talk about from the Reds. Perfectly angled run too. Absolutely beautiful to watch. And um, he stormed in for his second of the match. But, I mean, the Reds didn't have much to work with. Uh, they didn't really have much control over the game at all. The Bulls did control in their pack. We talked about it before um, this matchup, that the pack battle was going to be the difference maker. And it was 32-17. The Bulls just dominated. Yeah. Um, mauled. Mauled us. <laughs> okay. A bull against a koala. <laughs> that's uh, well, that's our, our emblem, so no chance. Unless you're up a gum tree. I mean, that is just... you you just got to put your hat off and um, say well done to the, the bulls. They've, they've improved from last year, and I think they're really... You know, without disregarding John Mitchell... Um, they're enjoying playing their rugby without John Mitchell coaching. You can sort of tell it's they've been allowed to express themselves on on the rugby field, playing the rugby that they want to play, where Mitchell had this structured rubbish that um, that really saw them, you know, struggle last year. Sorry, John. Um, but yeah, um, John watches every show. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> Yeah. All international coaches do. Uh, at school, and mate, John. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know the the um, it's it's good to see the the Bulls play some really top 
top-notch rugby, and uh, it's they've improved out of sight from last year. It's really a joy to watch, and it's in, it's a joy to watch a lot of the South African sides, even though there has been some interesting results, but it's a joy to watch them become very competitive, and I know that the competitiveness is coming out in this World Cup year. Now, for the Reds, they've got a lot of work to do. Uh, that's, that's something I've said for a very long time. Now, uh, you know, Samu Karebi's muscling up, but where are the other troops? You know, it can't just be Samu Karebi playing a lone hand. You know, there is no depth in that 10 position. Uh, there's that many 10s at Queensland, you can play them at fullback and vice versa. It's not good enough. And um, I know I'm harsher on my guys than I am with other rugby sides, but. You want your team to do well, and um, you know there's an there's an opportunity against the Sharks next week to improve on that. And who knows what's going to happen there? Who knows? Throw any <laughs> ideas out the window. It's all gone. Um, Hunter Pollard, I thought fantastically massive difference uh, for the Bulls. Him coming back to that team, he controlled. He keeps controls. He just controls everything. He's a great little master, and um, he's going to be key. Not not only for the Bulls. You know, look at South Africa later on in the year as well. He's going to be massive for them um, in the season. And the pack, immense. So, um, good performance for the Bulls and the poor old Reds, though. They've got a lot of work to do uh, heading into round 10. Uh, it could be a pretty sad tour um, for them. But that is us. That is us for round nine uh, review. Thanks for tuning in with us. I'll slip you all back over to the full-time team talk with Paul. I like these new nicknames. Happy Easter, everyone. Happy Easter. Oh, yes, happy Easter, everyone. Thank you. Um, thank you. And thank you for everyone who's joined us in the live chat today. It's been good uh, chatting away in the background while the boys have been doing the talking. Um, thank you very much to Steve and Shane for taking us through all the games yet again. Um, a quick thank yous to Aaron, Alden and Alex, who are three of my Patreons. I'm going to go through my list of Patreons and give them all a big thank you at the end of the videos. So um, please, uh, if you want to become a Patreon, link down below in the chat. That's how you support us to bring you all this free content Plus, get exclusive access to private to, um, to to exclusive content as well. There's a bunch of things around the screen that you should click on, so please click on those if you watch the recording. <laughs>